you and six of your close friends are having a game night like usual you know you're just hanging out goofing playing games there's six of you but for some reason every time you're counting you count seven and as for the people that are trapped in the elevator there used to be seven of them but now it's only three left ellie chloe and phil after nick the army private blew his head off Welcome to another episode of Jenny and Chels. I'm Jenny. And I'm Chels. And welcome to another episode of No Sleep Subreddit Stories. Hi, Chels. Take it away. Let's get started. Tell us your story. It goes as follows. I invited five friends over. One too many arrived. The house is burning. Only two of us made it out. There were six at the start of the evening. Um, seven, I suppose. That was the entire problem. I don't know when the seventh arrived. Dina and Angel showed up first, while I was still putting out snacks. It must not have been there before them. I recall them being the first. It can't hide in nothing. Kay showed up next. I know she was alone because I've been trying to figure out the right time to ask her out. If she'd brought somebody else, then I definitely would have noticed. When Christoph and Marina got here, Angel called out. It's about time you two made it. He specified two. I remember that. That's five arrivals. And of course, I was there all along. Maybe the door was opened at some point. It might not matter now that it's all over, but I feel like it does though. I need to understand what happened. I owe it to my friends. We were playing cards when we noticed. It was a six-handed game and Angelo was dealing pals in front of each player. One. Two, three, four, five, six, and the seventh to himself. You've got too many pals, Dina said. Angel looked at the table in confusion. There were cards in front of each of us. There were seven separate stacks. Weird. I don't know what happened there, he said, gathering up the cards. He dealt them gathering up the cards. He dealt them out again. One, two, three, four, five, six one to each person, but he had not yet put cards in front of himself. With a nervous chuckle, Angel said, um, okay, what am I doing wrong? Six of us, yes? We all agreed. There were clearly six. Everyone, put your hand on your card, he said. All six cards were covered. Angelo still did not have one. All right, um, one more try, Angelo said. While you're sorting this out, I'm going to go to the bathroom, said Kay, standing up. She left the room, and Angelo dealt the cards. One, two, three, four, and a fifth to himself. Kay, how many people are you? he shouted. Very funny, she called back. We heard the bathroom door close. Just deal six hands, I told Angelo. There are six of us. It'll work out. Everyone will pick up one hand and play it and no one will be left out. You'd really think so, he said. But why was I getting to seven before? You're bad at math, Dina told him. Better not let you keep the score, Christoph chimed in. Kay's chair was scooted back up to the table. Angel dealt the cards. There were six hands this time. Everyone picked one up. No one was left out. Weird, said Angel, shaking his head. Despite the rocky start, The game went well. 
Christophe won, so as punishment, we sent him to the kitchen to fetch more drinks. Just after he disappeared into the other room, I heard a startling noise, a sort of quick choking gasp followed by a loud bang. I was just getting up to see if he was alright when the wine was brought to the table and I busied myself pouring everyone a fresh glass instead. I noticed that Kay's glass was still untouched from earlier. Hey, where's Kay? I asked. She went to the bathroom, said Dina. What? Again? I guess. I leaned my head around the corner to see down the hallway. The bathroom door was closed. I suppose Marina was right. Shall we deal another hand? I asked. As soon as Christophe get back, said Marina. I looked around. Christophe wasn't here. Where do you go? The kitchen, said Marina. The white didn't bring himself here, I pointed out. And all five of the glasses have been moved. Marina gasped. Are you suggesting that someone is drinking Christophe's wine? We all laughed. I did wonder where Christophe was, though. And Kay, for that matter. She'd been in the bathroom for a very long time. She couldn't have been, though. We'd played the game six-handed. She must have been here. Maybe she just wasn't drinking. Quick round of spades while we're waiting for those two to get back, asked Angelo, dealing out the cards. You've dealt five hands, Dina pointed out. Angelo slammed the card down on the table. Okay, something is going on here. Everyone hold hands. We all looked at him quizzically, but he was serious. We reached out and took each other's hand, forming a circle around the table. Now, in order, everyone say the name of the person to your left. My name was said. I looked at Marina and said, Marina, Dina, Angelo. And I'm next to Scott, Angelo said, nodding at me. Wait, I objected. My name was already said. Let's go to the right, he said. Angelo's name was said. He followed it with Dina. Marina, Scott, and Angelo, I said. No, I was named first, he said. We looked at each other. I could feel his hand in mine. I could see him next to me. Look at the table, Angelo said. Why is there an extra glass of wine between us? Let's take a photo, said Marina. Then we can see everyone at once. She put her phone on the table. We all backed up, put our arms around each other, and smiled. The photo snapped. We gathered back around the table to look. It's you, me, you, and you, said Marina, pointing. Four of us, no one else. Angel studied it for a moment. It's not a selfie. Who took the picture? Christoph, said Marina. Kay, I said in the same moment. We all looked around the room. Neither of them was here. He must still be in the kitchen, said Marina. I'll go see. I think we should all go together, said Angel. Come on. We entered the kitchen as a group. It was empty. Do you smell gas? asked Dina. My attention snapped to the stove. Two of the knobs for the burners were snapped off. I spotted them tucked under the cabinets nearby, as if someone had pushed them out of the way so as not to be noticed. There was a dent in the metal of the edge too. Christopher must have dropped something on the stove, I said heading over to see about turning off the gas. Nice of him to mention it. The knobs were broken too far down to turn. The gas was starting to give me a headache. I grabbed a hold of the stove to pull it out from the wall and shut off the line behind it, but it was surprisingly heavy. Did I leave something in here? I asked, opening the oven door. 
Christoph's body was crammed inside, the limbs bent and folded back on themselves in order to make it fit. A gory pool of blood filled the bottom of the oven, sloshing distressingly back and forth from my attempts to move the appliance. Most of it seemed to have come from his head, which had been violently crushed. His eyes bulged outwards, staring at me. I screamed, of course. We all did. I turned away to run, to find a weapon, possibly, just not to see it anymore, and Dina died. Her throat was ripped open. It wasn't when I turned back, and then it was. Nothing did it. It just happened. Her hand flew up to clasp her ruined neck, but it was too far too late to hold anything in. She collapsed to her knees. Her hair was held back as she died, keeping her upright and facing forward so we could all see the panic and despair. We were all frozen for a second. Angelo moved first, diving for her, but by the time he wrapped his arm around her, she was slumping forward, already gone. He screamed, a raw caterwaul of rage and pain. After a moment, he focused into words. Where is it? What did this? I grabbed the knife and put my back into a corner, looking around frantically. Marina was gone. I hoped she had run. I didn't like that I didn't know. It's been here all night, Angelo hissed. Among us. Playing with us. Where's Kay? Where has she been all night? The bathroom, I thought, but I pictured Christoph's broken body in the oven, and I knew that I did not want to open the door to check. Angelo continued his rant, his voice cracking in his fury. We can't see it. We can't know about it. And I thought we were holding hands when it was between us. This is all a game to it. We don't know how to play. We can't even see the board. We've got to get out, Angelo, I said. It's not safe to be in here. Even without whatever is happening, the stove is still leaking gas. It is, he said. His voice was suddenly eerily calm. Everywhere. And you know, that's an awfully good way to deal with something you can't see. What are you going to do, Angelo? He fumbled in his pocket and pulled out a lighter. The back door is right there, Scott. Run and close it behind you. Don't stop running when you're outside. Angelo, I'm sorry about your house, Cut. Run. I took a step toward him, but he pulled the lighter in towards his body. Go. If you don't go now, I'll do it while you're still in here. I probably ought to anyway. It's a better way to be sure. He flicked the lighter. It sparked. I fled for the door. Behind me, I could hear him flicking the wheel again. I made it outside before the kitchen exploded. I had my hand on the knob, pulling the door shut, when a roar of heat and light slammed the door closed and flung me down the stairs onto my back lawn. The windows erupted in gouts of flame, pelting me with burning hot glass. I scrambled along the grass, desperate to get further away. My back was burning and I rolled to put it out. The house is clearly lost, but I called the fire department anyway. I didn't know what else to do. I don't know what I'll tell the police when they find bodies inside. I don't even know how many they'll find. If Angelo got it, whatever it was, then there'll be at least four bodies. Him, Dina, Christoph, and the other. Probably five, assuming it got K early on. Maybe six if Maria and I didn't make it out. One of them must have, though. I'm not alone out here. My hand is held tightly as I watch the house burn. And that's the end of the story. Okay, so I was confused because at the beginning of the story, she said there's only two of us out here, right? So 
and then now that she's out at the end she's saying that it's just her (laughs) so scott just um at the beginning of the story started counting how many people arrived at what time Mm -hmm. he's like okay marina and so and so arrived first so that was two and then so and so arrived that was three and mm-hmm. and angelo arrived and that so just recounting how many people came here and then all of a sudden like when they start playing the game because he's wondering uh, like what happened like was that other person or like that other entity always there because whenever they're doing anything that involves them checking how many people there are there's an extra person like yeah but what i what i'm confused on is at the end of the at the end mm-hmm. of the story didn't she say one of them must have made it out oh yes but it's just her well but she... when she started the story she said that it's only the two of us out here so technically uh-huh. nobody made it out it's just her and whatever seven exactly days. yeah oh, so, <laughs> exactly and i don't think scott realized that yet like it's just and i don't so I scott think just scott blew himself out um angelo blew the house up and told scott to get out and when scott got out didn't know who else got made it out but he's like at least one person made it out because he knows that angelo blew up the house christoph is in the oven and also and dina got her throat slashed so Kay and marina Wait, are so there's the- marina we don't know what happened to marina yeah Kay and marina- all day they keep saying she's in the bathroom i mean all night Mm-hmm. And like she never K... got out of the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So K is the one who was in the bathroom, actually. Okay. K was okay. in the bathroom. Yeah. K was in Marina. We don't even know what where Marina is. She just happened this. Yeah. She's just like I. You know, this is weird. I don't know any. Like I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to be careful. And but, I don't yeah. know why Angelo just blew the whole house up, though. Because right. I get that he want to burn whatever is in there. Okay, do that. But does he know that he can just throw the lighter? I, I know. Instead of staying That's... in the kitchen and blowing himself up. Like, who yeah. is writing this story? So, <laughs> Dina and Angelo showed up together. So, I'm going to assume that they're, they're a couple. So, maybe when he saw Dina's throat slash, she was just so shaken yeah. and upset to see his Aww, partner. And he was cute. like, what? Wow. So okay, ma'am. That's cute. Like, you're going to, wow. Blowing up a house because your partner just got slashed is cute. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. He's so cute. Could never be me, oh, but oh, so bye-bye. cute. I'm finally picking mm, up. That, that's artist. me. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. But okay, wow. You know, that was definitely interesting. Like things mm-hmm. I, I like how the story was set up, but it's just that the ending, you know, uh, it could have been a little more, you know. Like it was a quick it could burn. Have given us more. But alright. So what I have today is the final part to the series. Like, finally it's been too much even for me okay so let's just I... get it out of here yes please be done. go on i'm i'm ready to see who makes it out alive okay so this is part six i believe part six 
I can't bear to put down into words what happened when Nick chose to end his life. When his body crumbled to the ground, Chloe wailed. Phil comforted her and I felt the need to vomit. His body was just a lump of flesh now. Bits of tissue and blood spattered all over the wall made me feel dizzy, but I couldn't bear to keep looking. So I placed my head against the other wall and closed my eyes. Phil finally, moved, made, Phil finally made a move and I opened my eyes to see him dragging Nick's body towards the door. He made the sign of the cross and waited for the roar of the monster. Of the monster. As he got close, he pushed Nick over the edge. Chloe stifled a scream as we heard Nick's body hit the wall of the elevator shaft. Tumbling into the void below, the monster changed course and the elevator buckled as he rushed by eager to consume the soldier. Nick was gone, but his final words and dark thoughts lingered in the air as I looked toward the, the bloody mess where the gun was laying. I picked it up and looked at the bullets left in the chamber. Still enough for all of us? Maybe he was right, I said as I held the gun next to me. What if we're wasting our time fighting this? I asked. The elevator rattles as we keep ascending, nothing to stop us now from whatever we run into, and the thought of impeding doom makes me want to pull the trigger. Phil extends his burned hand out to take the gun. I hesitate, but I give it to him. Then he tosses it out into the void as well. We aren't going to die here. I don't care what anybody says. We matter, and we will fight to our dying breath. That seemed to put an end to the existential discussion. And all of us sit on the only wall that isn't damaged as the elevator continues to rise. I use the time to make sure my phone has fully charged and I take account of what supplies were left in Nick's bag. Two bottles of water and one pound of ground turkey. Then I found a briefcase and I recall his warning about it. I considered sliding sliding in right out of the open door but curiosity got the better of me and i asked phil to use one of his tools to try and get it open nothing good gonna come out from that he wisely says but i need a distraction and i'm desperate for meaning in this abyss i finally managed to snap the case open and i see something that makes my heart drop it looks like two blocks of c2 explosives and immediately i push the case away whoa Phil said, nervously sliding the box towards the door. Wait, 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 don't do that. If you drop it, even while we are still attending, it could explode and kill us. I told him cautiously as I took the case back and locked down the bombs. It survived the drop earlier, Phil argues. But look at the damage to the case. One more bad hit and boom, I tell him. My heart pounding as I realized Nick was serious about his awful intentions. His guilt was plain as day. He really was planning to end it all, wasn't he? I realized. And possibly take out others in the process. What a sad man, Chloe said. I don't know why anyone would do something like that, I admitted. I take the box or anything else and notice a slip of paper stuck under the mesh in the corner of the case. Taking it out, I realized the note I saw during the first night. I couldn't read it clearly in the darkness, but now at least I realize it's a suicide note. Every single tree has been taken away from me. My job while I was overseas, my family too. 
What did I serve for? Why did I come home? It's all meaningless. The place holds no value to me anymore. Nothing does. I realize now that I will be gone now and I will be forgotten. All of us will. Our entire lives will be nothing in the grand scheme of things. How much time is left? Maybe less than a minute as I get ready to ride the elevator to the only choice I get to have. I'll make my name be remembered. Those who took what I care about will remember me. Below the note, I see that he scratched my name out and I guess that meant he figured that I was the one that had taken his job. Reading the anger and frustration of this sad man makes me almost empathize with his pain. But I can't endorse his vision of hurting others. I try to think of how he seemed hesitant to be close to any of us and I realize his conscience must have bothered him once he knew we were trapped. What does it say? Chloe asked. I crumbled the note and tossed it into the void as the elevator continues to write. He was right. We were better off not knowing. So he was really going to hurt people? She asked. I guess that's why he was so cagey. I think he wanted to help, but an internal struggle kept him from really getting help for himself. I wish I knew. Maybe he realized his mistake. It looks like he had a lot of issues to work out, I told her. We can remember him for his sacrifice. Maybe it will help us to make it to the top, Phil says. None of us says a word, and I finally have no energy to think anymore, closing my eyes as I listen to the hum of the machi machinery as we keep going up. Update. I have no idea how much time has passed. The elevator is moving slowly, but we are still going up. The warped metal walls and broken flooring made me uneasy as each shake and rattle threatens to make our metal cage fall apart. Somehow, luck is on our side, and for now, as we keep ascending. But that isn't why I am updating these notes. When I woke up, I realized that I was staring at the blood on the wall, and I had no idea how it got there. I checked my notes and saw the mention of the army private named Nick that killed himself so we could... We could try to escape but even though i know i wrote this down i have no memory of his face or anything that transpired the notes mention others too i feel a pang of guilt cover my body as i realize i've forgotten them all i tell chloe this and she admits the same when that creature devours someone it takes away our memory of them it's feeding on that she speculates we sit in the bright elevator for another hour and listen to it continue to rise. Tensions seem high, despite the chance we have of escape. Suddenly, Chloe begins to cry and she starts to open her phone, but it's dead. The charger! Give me the charger! She says frantically. I don't understand what's happening, but I agree and I let her use it. She rocks back and forth and waits for her phone to come back to life. I watch speechless as she opens her she opens up her photo album and scrolls through her pictures. Then I see, then I see tears roll down her cheeks, and she throws her phone to the floor. Hey, what's wrong? I ask, in confusion, as she bolts up her fists. My children, she says between sobs, and I look at the cracked phone, recalling her desire to reunite with them. 
You'll see them soon, I tell her. That's not it, Ellie. I've forgotten them, she said, trying not to well. I look at memories of them and they mean nothing to me. Nothing, Chloe said. I don't know what to say, but I try to keep her calm as Phil wakes from his sleep. What kind of mother am I that I can't even remember my own children, she asks. Hey, what's going on? The maintenance man mutters as he hears the noise. It's this place is wearing down on our sanity. Taking that matters to us the most, I told him. What if I forget I even have children at all, Chloe whispers. That won't happen, I told her. But it's already happening, don't you see? Before too long, we'll even forget who we are, she squalls. Enough of this talk. You see your children again soon, says Phil. But what if, what if they have forgotten me as, the same way I've forgotten them? What kind of reunion is that? We won't even recognize each other. It's meaningless, she screams. New memories, it will work. We have to believe it will work out, I tell her. But she's beginning to hyperventilate and turn to Phil for an answer. He checks the backpack and takes out what the soldier had for medicine supplies, including a sedative. Chloe sees what we're looking at and shakes her head. What are you thinking of doing to me? We just want you to remain calm so we make it out of here, Phil tells her. She immediately stands up and takes off her high heels, using the sharp end to wave it toward us as a weapon. Her bare feet are soaked in blood as she demands we stay away from her. Chloe, please, we just want to help, I tell her. I don't even know who you are, she screams out. In that moment of hesitation, we see a chance and I grab her from the left and Phil does to the right. He plunges the syringe into her neck and uses half of the vial. I see her eyes roll back, then we let her body down on the floor and I sigh in relief. She won't forgive us for that, I tell him. She will when she sees her kid again, Phil argues. The light flickers and the elevator shudders again, my heart skipping a bit. But we continue to ascend. I relax and look across the elevator to the open door. You really think we'll get out of here? I ask. But Phil has already closed his eyes to go back to sleep. I lay there for about 10 minutes longer and then decide to do the same. But I'm frightened about what I will forget next. And Chloe's panic is beginning to infect my mind. What if the end result is no different than the beginning? It's almost dreadful thought. I've dared to have and when only emptiness answers me my soul shudders update next time I walk is because the elevator has jerked to a stop we are in darkness again and I and it takes me a moment to get a sense of anything I nudge Phil to wake up alongside me and then hear a voice he's unconscious I used the last of whatever you used on me I look towards the door, which is still open, and see the silhouette of Chloe. She's looking outward towards the abyss and holding something next to her body. It doesn't take me long to realize that she has taken one of the blocks of C2 from the briefcase. Chloe, what are you doing? Get away from there, I said as I tried to stand. I heard that thing below us. It managed to catch up on us, Ellie. Can you believe that? No matter how far we've risen. 
That damn monster is on our tail, she said. Her voice is hardly coherent. I know she's not thinking clearly and it paralyzes me with terror. Whatever you're thinking of doing, you can't do it. If you let that stuff explode, it could kill us all, I told her. She smiles and I see her face is stained with tears. There is nothing left for me in this world above. This thing, whatever it is, has taken everything from me that matters, she said. I know she means that she has forgotten more memories. And the idea that this could happen to me or Phil next is a dreadful one. Even if you let the bomb go off, we have no way of knowing that it will kill that damn thing. It's beyond our understanding, I argued. Don't get closer, she warns. The beast rolls below and I realize it's almost here. I have made my decision. I know this is the only way I will see the one that I care about again, Chloe whispers. She looks over the edge and her eyes widen. Oh my God, it's... I see it, Ellie. No God made this. This thing. I try to reach for her and then she steps into the void. That's the end of part six. Oh my goodness. Chloe just suicided herself. That sedative must not have been strong enough. Like, how did she regain yeah. consciousness so quickly? Yeah, but then they don't they don't keep track of time really. So he oh, just fell true. asleep and then woke up. And she used the other one on the on Phil. Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. I wanna know what happens next because <laughs> All right. yeah. Okay. Part seven. I recovered enough to update what happened the moment after Chloe stepped off the edge of the elevator towards the beast that was pursuing us. I ran toward the edge to see her fall towards the beast and covered my eyes as the explosion hit it directly in this strange misshapen face. The first thing I felt was the heat from the blast. I could tell from the way the bomb was made it wasn't professional, so the impact was going to be unpredictable. It was beyond my worst nightmare. As the heat traveled against my skin and the monster rolled in pain, I stumbled backward towards the wall where Phil was slumped over and grabbed him. I held tight to the maintenance man as the elevator shook and shimmered and I was certain we would drop again, this time possibly for the last time. I saw the last block of C2 and the backpack fall as well and only had time to grab one of the items. I held back my screams and kept Phil from falling out as well as the elevator continued to shake and I wondered if the bomb I had snatched would go off simply from the stress. I looked out into the massive hole in the floor to see the beast retreating into darkness and the broken tiles hitting the walls and falling down as well. A feeling of hopelessness also returned as I saw the last bits of food disappear into the dark. Our survival is depending on time now as well. Then it was silent again, and I was out of breath. I kept my body stiff, expecting the rest of the floor to collapse and for Phil and I to lose our lives to the void. But it didn't happen. Instead, to much of my surprise, the elevator rattled again and began to rise, much slower than before, almost imperceptibly. But it was clear we were sending. Perhaps the blast worked the way Chloe has intended and gave us the boost to keep going. I thought as I said silent things to her and kept Phil next to me 
and put the C2 alongside me and the other on the other side. I didn't know yet if the other bomb killed the monster or if it will return with a vengeance, but I must be ready for the worst possible scenario. I have told myself that my goal is to make sure Phil makes it to the surface. I know that means I will have to make the same sacrifice that Chloe did, but my gut says that Phil deserves to be there to see his loved ones again. I don't know how I will convince him of this, given how stubborn he can be, but I feel it will be better for both of us if the decision is taken from us when the monster returns. I can sometimes hear faint noises below us. It could be the beast recovering from the wounds. I have to be ready. Until then, I keep one arm on him and the other on the bomb and hug what is left of the wall. Update. May she rest in peace. That's what Phil says when he wakes up and explains how the hole in the floor was made. I know he means what he says, but another fact is abundantly clear. He doesn't seem to have a recollection of the businesswoman at all. At this point, I shouldn't be surprised that this place has continued to fade on our memories, but it also confirms my worst fear. The monster is likely still alive, licking his wounds and possibly thinking of tracking again. I'm sorry I lost the last of the food, I told him. It's alright, Ellie. I could stand to lose some few pounds, he said, patting his belly. But I know the possibility of starving is now more relevant than ever. Or the chance we might lose connection to the outside world via my post because my phone is now sitting at 22% and the charger was lost with the bag as well. I conserve the battery and sit alongside Phil and listen to the hum of the machinery. I wasn't actually supposed to be working today at all. He admits after a long silence. I opened my eyes surprised by his admission. You remember that? Something came up and I had to cover for someone. It happens. He said as he shrugs. I'm so sorry. If you hadn't come to work, shoulda, woulda, coulda. What difference does that make now? Phil laughed. I wish I had your bravery, I admitted. I'm not brave at all, son. I just know that life has its ups and downs, kind of like this elevator. We don't know what to expect from it. We just know it's going to continue forwards no matter what we do, he said. Phil, I want to say thank you for keeping us going for this long. I want you to know it means a lot, especially when we've lost so much, I said. He gives me a quizzical scare, stare. Don't get soapy on me. You act like this in the end, he comments. I stare at the hole watching the elevator railing slowly creep by. If it is, I want you to be the one who makes it out of here, I said. Phil seems shocked by my statement and naturally he disagrees. We're both getting out of here, he insists. But if push comes to shove, you promise me that you let me kill that damn thing? I said, patting the C2. What makes you think this will do the trick? If what she did couldn't kill the thing? It's wounded. A cornered animal is more vicious, but she made a mistake by not hitting it from the inside. This time when he attacks, I'll go straight down its guts with me alongside it, I told him. This is just idle speculation. We don't even know if it's still alive, he argues. It's best to prepare for the worst. Please, make this vow, Phil. No matter what happened to me, I want you to get out of here, I tell him. Phil gives me a nod and we say nothing for a long time again. I like to think that 
the resolve in my heart makes me feel stronger, but it doesn't. I'm terrified of what will come next. Eventually, we heard something deep below us, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up as my eyes snapped open. It's coming back, I said. I stood up and hugged the walls, trying to get a better view. There was no sign of the beast yet. Ellie, I think I can see the light above. Phil said, pointing at the ceiling. I look up in that second. He tricks me and grabs the C2. I feel him do it and try to stop him, but he's already pushing me to the other small corner of the broken cage we are stuck in. God damn it! I shout as I try to reach, but he keeps his distance. I lied to you before about having anyone to go back to. Phil admits. The entire tunnel shakes again. It's speeding towards us. I don't have any family. Just me and my cats. I don't have anyone to go back to, he said. You're lying. You're just saying that to make me feel good. I don't want you to die, I shouted. Where you have a future. A job interview, right? What was that again? I'm trying to hold back tears as I heard the billowing noise get closer. I don't remember. But I remember you, Phil. I don't want this thing to take that memory from me. Phil shakes his head and tells me what to do. I don't need to be remembered, son. All I need from you is to get out of here. Won't be long now. This thing, whatever it is, I can't let it leave. The people before me died out of here. I want to do this because I know it will help others above me, Phil declared. You only have one shot at this, you hear? As he tries to make mince meat out of me, you climb onto the roof alongside his head through the hatch. Chances are when he blows, the rest of this floor will be gone, Phil comments. Or he could make the whole damn elevator drop again, I said frantically. That panel is pretty toast. Nothing is going to stop us from going up anymore. Now are you ready? Phil said as I can see the massive creature about to collide. I don't think I ever got to respond, but I guess it didn't matter. What happened next was inevitable. The creature slams into the bottom of the elevator, its massive upper jaw opening wide and reaching onto what is left of the floor to try to drag us down. It has fangs larger than my arm, glistering with acid and dripping with blood from the earlier explosion. I can see down its gullet, endless rows of teeth and bones that will crush us both if we don't act fast. Phil kicks the creature to give me time to get to the back side of the floor. Part of the metallic frame bends and I feel my feet fall from under me. I am peering into the solar dark eyes of the monster. All I can see is cruelty and mindless savagery. It exists only to consume, ignoring of any concern we have for our lives. We are only filled to this base. For what purpose? I can't say. I hear Phil shout for me to climb and I jump onto the snot of the massive snake-like creature. I look below and I see acidic venom sweeping out of the burning walls of the elevator where Phil is standing as he bravely distracts the giant serpent. It doesn't take another second for him to be snatched up by the tentacle-like tongue. Barbs of needle rip into his flesh as he clings into the sea too. His desperate features holding onto the bomb in the hopes it will be swallowed by the beast. I can't look down at what shots the creature jaws closes. 
I hear bones scratch and I hear Phil's groan in agony. I climb to the top of the snot, my foot slipping and feeling the venom burn me as I grab a hold and open the hatch above, preparing to climb onto the roof. Then an explosion ripple below me and I feel fire cover my body for just a second as the creature screams and the tissue flies everywhere around me. I scramble and push myself up, adrenaline pumping through my vein as I feel strange sticky material on the roof of the elevator and clamber to grab a hold of anything that will keep me stable. Looking through the hole below, I see that Phil's daring and crazy plan at work. The upper part of the monster's head had blown completely off, and now all I saw was smoldering spine and endless scaly body. One of its meaty claws had snatched onto the edge of the last bit of the floor. But then that too gave way, and the metal and flesh fell into the darkness, never to be seen again. I curled myself up onto the corner of the roof of the broken elevator. As it shudders and raises, it raises in complete darkness. The silence is deafening as I realize I am now alone and unable to halt the elevator. No matter what is above, I am powerless to stop it. And that is part six. Okay. And we are on the last part now. Alright, part seven and final. It ends with me alone on top of the shattered elevator in a hellish pit. The box that once held several people now completely destroyed except for a few parts of the wall where the electrical panel is fried and the roof I'm using as shelter. Like the elevator, my soul and spirit feel shattered and broken given what I've endured. It's impossible to be certain how much time has passed since the maintenance man died. My phone is at a measly 8% and the charge I once had is long gone. I feel the need to scream, angry at what this place has done to me and the others that were with me. I repeatedly check my notes to remember their names. Sydney, Amanda, Phil, Chloe, the little girl. I've forgotten all of them. I realize in desperation as I occasionally look through the open hatch to the void below. I had hoped with the monster dead my memories would return. But soon I discovered that there were still remnants of it around me. I first felt the need to get a good look at the roof when I heard what sounded like breathing. It was so dark, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. So I activated the light on my phone and saw something that made me gasp in horror. Long pulsing meshes of strange goop that resembled cocoons lined the roof of the elevator in different spots. All of them having strange dark shapes. Shapes swim and form in the gestation sacs as I examine the horrid scene. I do not dare imagine what is within these pods as I push my body a little towards the edge of the roof and try to keep my breathing steady. This must be the offsprings of the monster. I realize as I see one of the pods was partially broken apart and purple mist occasionally spits out into the air. I make sure not to get anywhere near it. I can't get too close to the wall either to avoid my skin scraping against it so I'm in an awkward position trying to figure out whether any spot on this roof is safe. I shine the light towards the wall and notice something that I couldn't see before. It's on the opposite side and it resembles some kind of box jutting out of the frame next to the rail that constantly let the elevator rise. There is just enough room on the side of the cage of the box to slide by and disappear into the void, but 
I'm puzzled by what it could have been. It's at this point that I realized I didn't really pay attention to the walls and I keep the lights focused there to see what else might have been hidden in the darkness. A short time later, I noticed chalk paint against the cement and it's forming symbols, a number and a letter. B3. My heart skips a bit and I try to see if I can find any illumination from the lobby. Have I almost reached the surface? I turn back to the wall and watch it crawl by and see something else not long after that. Another box. This time, I can tell it's an emergency equipment inside it. A fire hose and a fire axe. Something that rescuer would use to attempt to rescue people trapped here. I moved over carefully towards the wall but I don't make it. Therefore, before the box disappears as the elevator continues its upward crawl. I told myself not to get hopeful, but I can't help it. The thought of this nightmare finally being over is enough to make me cry. My phone buzzes and I notice I only have 4% of life left. For some reason, I choose to ignore that and keep the light trained on the wall. I'm eager to see what the next truck floor number is as I gradually approaches it. My eyes squint and I find myself confused by what is painted on the elevator wall. B3. I don't let it fully sink in until about 15 minutes later when the next chalk pattern appears by and is the same number again then like clockwork i see the emergency equipment and then again 15 minutes later the same pattern again and again i told you all this was meaningless a voice echoed across the roof i snapped to the attention and find myself staring at the army private what little of him I can remember. You should have taken my offer when you still had the chance, he says as he plays with his service pistol. He puts it against his head and before I can even look away, the gun goes off, blowing apart half of his face. He remains sitting there, unfazed by the brutal act of violence as I realize what is now happening to me. You're not real. I'm, I'm hallucinating from the lack of sleep, water and food. I mumble as I try to look away from the hole in his head. Doesn't matter if it's real or not. You know what I'm saying is true. This whole damn situation has just been an exercise of futility. The hallucinations tells me as he points the gun towards the chalk paint that crawls by. You're never going to get out of here. Which means all of them died for nothing. Shut up! I snap as I force my eyes closed. I can't even keep the voice away there as I hear his words rattle in my brain. That monster is going to devour you and then sink back to hell. And every last shred of your memory will be gone. No one will even know you were ever here, he says. My hands tremble as I slam my face against the roof. Do you even know who you are anymore? The voice asks. I don't have the power to admit that I've forgotten. You don't, do you? You're just a stranger in a nightmare that will never end. So what does it matter if you live or die? Who will ever know or care? He hisses. I open my eyes and I can see the hatch where the voice called to below me. The voice is telling me to give up. They matter, I say, standing up, as I look into the wall where the hallucination once was. I am going to make it out of here. For them. I tell my inner demons. There is no response this time. For the moment, I have a small victory. 
but I see the chalk to mumble crawl again, and I feel my heart sink. The creature has still exerted his influence over me and kept me here trapped from the surface. My first guess is that it must be whatever is inside the cocoons, and I decide that I have to destroy them. Moving towards the side of the wall where the box moved by, I use the short time I have to reach for it and smash the glass grabbing the axe. I hold it firmly and slam the blade down on the first breathing mass of goo, making whatever inside it well in pain. The shriek causes the others to begin to pulse and then ripple open. I see strange forms begin to emerge from the cocoons that almost resemble people. None of them have faces. The newly spawned demons begin to move towards me and I slam the axe down against them over and over, hacking away at the misshapen bodies. One of them starts to close on me and I feel my body being pushed against the rising wall. Dropping the axe, I use what little strength I have left to push it towards the open hatch and listen to it scream as it plummets. There are still few left. One of them picks up the axe, swinging it towards me violently and hitting the an artery on my shoulder. The only thing pushing me forward right now is the human spirit and the sacrifice of others. I slam my head against the monster and pull the axe away, slicing the head off clean. The last monster stands ready to tackle me, its long snake-like arms bending impossibly as it stretches its new body to attempt to swallow me whole. There is enough time for me to smash the axe against the elevator roof itself near the hatch. It's been barely hanging on for hours now and its final push causes the entire roof to groan and bend. The monster falls into the newly created hole, desperately crawling at me, one last time before it too is swollen by the void. In the same instance, what's left of the elevator roof groans again and I brace for the fall. Instead, everything simply stops again, and I sigh in relief. The monster is gone and for a moment, I am still alive. Then I look towards the other side of the wall where the paint is etched. In the cement and I see something that gives me a final push to keep fighting. B2. I stare at it for a moment longer to be sure I'm not hallucinating this. With the nightmarish creatures gone I have broken the spatial cycle and the elevator is almost near ground level. But it is pointless to celebrate as I realize the fight against the unknown has halted the process of my rise. I will be trapped here. No, no I can't. I can't think like this. I haven't come this far to be forgotten now. I push myself over towards the hatch to get a look at the broken electrical pan panel. I see there is some faint sparks between the wires. Whatever the maintenance man did some time ago has simply stopped working. I have to find a way to make it sure I keep going up. The box where I found the axe is within reach and I tag on the fire hose, pulling it all down onto the roof of the elevator. Tying it around my waist, I tag as hard as I can to be sure the hose will hold my weight. Once I'm sure that I can make it safely, I stand from the broken hatch into the void. I have nothing holding me except the taut fire hose and it feels unreal to dangle above the endless chasm, but I can't focus on that. I push my weight back and forth gingerly. To swing towards the electrical panel. The strain is a lot for me and it feels like I could fall into the void at any moment. At last, my hand latches a hold of the broken panel and I reach for the two wires. I have no idea if this will work or not, but at this point, I have nothing left to lose.
The elevator makes a noise and the roof begins to go up slowly again. I let go of the panel and pull up on the rope, knowing I have only a few seconds to grab a hold of the roof before it leaves without me. My body feels heavier than ever before, and I'm scrambling to find something to latch onto. Tugging up again, I grab the broken hatch, the deep metal making my hands gush in blood. But I push through the pain and force myself up and over. The fire hose is still tied to my waist, but I have to let it go for or risk being sucked below as the box disappears, so I cut it loose with the axe. Then I collapse into what is left of the goo on the elevator crawls, past level B2. A short time later, I see the chalk outline for B1. I lay there excited for what is to come. I can see the outline of a door, the safety door to the level, just barely above me. I am almost free from this hell. The roof shatters and groans and slow down. The door is almost within reach. Then the elevator stops. I close my eyes trying my best not to panic, but it does little good. The elevator does not move again, nor will it ever move. I scream at the top of my lungs, standing up and reaching as high as I can for the door. My fingers can just barely touch the bottom of the frame. Escape is just out of reach. Help! I scream as I bang my fist against the wall, hoping there's someone on the other side of the door who can hear me. But my words just echo into emptiness. I keep doing that for the next hour until I'm unable to scream. I've lost my voice. I slam down onto the roof of the elevator, curling up my legs towards my body and begin to shake with despair. I'm never getting out of here. The soldier was right. I fought as hard as I could, and this is the end of the line. I pull myself on out, looking at the cracked screen, and I have full signal now. Not the occasional like I had for days, but it matters very little because it's sitting at 2%. Not enough time to plan the rescue even if I knew where I was. A final desperate solution forms in my broken mind. I grab the axe and turn to the door, reaching on my tiptoe and pry it open with the axe just barely enough for a small object to slide through. I am going to stand on my tiptoes and slide this phone through that opening, in the vain hope that someone will find it and rescue me. I doubt I'll be alive much longer with no food or water, so I won't waste time taking notes on my demise and simply say goodbye. If this makes it out, it means that they found me or my corpse. Either way, the story of our struggles in this hell will be found and told. Update. I woke up in a hospital bed with burns and blood all over my body. The nurse told me that an urban explorer found this dead cell phone next to an old abandoned elevator in the sub-basement. I had no idea what was inside, but I saw several posts relating to an elevator. I'm going to read them now and try to sort through this. Update. I've thought a lot about what I've found since then, trying to make sense of it, trying to come to terms with what any of it means. I have no idea what any of these people actually look like or what sort of life they led. To me, they're really strangers. But then I came to realize that all of us are strangers to each other in one way or another. Somewhere on a sunny morning, a man like me will be trying not to be late for a job interview. A businesswoman would be busy dropping her kids off at school and promising them they will go to a museum afterwards. 
a maintenance male would be trying to make it through the day when he wasn't supposed to even be working. A young army private could be planning to take his own life, or maybe he finds himself second guessing over and over again as he enters the building that once meant so much to him. There could be a young nurse who is just on her lunch break after a long graveyard shift. She runs across the street to meet her boyfriend in the cafeteria on the fourth floor. Or a deaf woman is checking her notes and preparing for another fulfilling day at work. Even a young girl who keeps asking her father to go play while he's busy tending to his phone calls. These people exist, just like the ones that were in these notes existed. One by one, those strangers enter that elevator. They do not know each other either. The young army soldier presses toward the top floor. The others do the same with their destinations. And the elevator door closes. They probably exchange social norms and smile uncomfortably towards each other. No words are probably sp ever spoken. Then, they will exit one by one. On their different destinations. Never encountering one another again. Never knowing what might have been. Instead, circumstances beyond our understanding trapped us in a hellish prison for days. We lost everything including our own sense of self. I don't know who I am. I don't remember any of this. I don't even know of their last names or how to contact any of their family or friends. Does that mean it was all meaningless? Does that mean their memory is gone now? Does that mean they never mattered at all? Do any of us really matter in the grand scheme of things? Or are we all simply strangers trapped in a nightmare that the universe created, being constantly devoured by the passage of time and forgotten by the same savage force? I can't answer these terrifying questions, and it's possible that no one can. But I think it's important we ask them and keep their memories alive. Otherwise, we may never become more than strangers searching for an answer to questions the universe couldn't care less about. And that's the final part of this series. I, okay, so I have a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. um, actually, really just one, ma two, two major questions. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the story, he's, or when he's rescued, he wakes up in the hospital Mm -hmm. They say that he's been found in a submasement of an abandoned building, but yep. when when he's found um, when he went in there, he was going to a job interview. So I don't think he would have gone into just a random abandoned building like that. So is there like a time jump that happened? And then the other thing too is, I told I knew it's not a question, but I knew it was going to be a government experiment. I it could be another dimension and stuff, but like. I think it was a government experiment. How? What tells you it was a government ex experiment? The gas. The, the, there's still the no gas was coming from the, the cocoon. Oh, as the cocoon break open. Oh, yeah, because when he was getting close to it, he was saying that there was like the purple mist coming out of the cocoon. And those creatures, so whatever i'm assuming they were maybe human at some point or whatever it is they can because he said they had human-like faces mm -hmm. but also what the, I, mm -hmm. yeah go ahead the 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 thing that was coming for them in the elevator he said it was a serpent so it was a snake with like tentacles for its tongue. yeah okay mm -hmm. 
So like a serpent body with a human face and tentacles. Yeah, often like I'm, I'm thinking those mystical creatures that kind of like some of them even like fly, but oh. it's just like a big ass dragon snake. You know, like it has. It's just very long, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like vampire, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like that. But I like what, none of that. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like since he said that they were like they had people shaped like a people like. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe the creature uses actually humans and transforms them into his babies. Right. Or like he uses humans and puts his larvas in them and they feed on the humans before they transform. Exactly. I, that's that a very good the hypothesis. Ones, they will be up there. Mm-hmm. Because but otherwise... I also, I also didn't understand how he was found in the sub-basement of a, like a old elevator. Right. So did they, did they spend a lot... I feel like maybe they spent a lot of much longer time For than he building. told us or time just passes over there much slower uh-huh like every time he thinks they think it's just a couple of days it's been years up there oh i see and he said that it was somebody that was like um an excavator or something he said he an urban mm-hmm. like excavator then like found the phone that is so, so weird. It, ha- it must have been years, and maybe the building is no longer in use, or right. that part of the elevator has already been shut down but since in- they dropped, and they were not able, you know, to find them. And then when he came back up, you know, the, somebody just found it. So he was literally an excavation, I guess. I, I have still so many questions. Like, how come the no police question. didn't come for him and ask, like, how long were you in there? And like, all of these exactly. things, like, were there other people with you? Did you and do what, something to these people? What I did not know, understand is when he came up and he had full service, why didn't he just call 911? Right. Although he was saying that he doesn't know where he is, but it's the same building. Technically, yeah. If he's going back up, it should be in the same building again if that makes sense and so he, you just he call 911 i am in that and they can just track the phone call exactly anyways. that i was going to say i thought the exact same thing as you too and he said that the two percent battery probably would have died in the middle of the call or whatever but it's still worth a shot especially yeah. that there i mean there's nobody else that can be safe but also side note at the end i'm like i think this is a good metaphor example of how most group projects go you know know (laughs) by the end only one person did most of the work but in this case though everybody did a lot of the work like yeah, a lot the, of people sacrificed themselves phil phil yeah. was the go i was really sad to see phil go like I he know. sacrificed himself phil and the nurse i was really sad especially like, the nurse the nurse yeah. one was the saddest mm-hmm. it just you know when she started and also he was saying that he doesn't remember the last names to contact the family and nobody will remember them mm-hmm. and i'm like didn't you write them because there's no confirmation that the people above also were losing memories of them. Mm-hmm. If not, then there should be a list of people that disappeared on that right. day on the elevator when the elevator dropped. At when least... all of these people didn't show up, especially when uh, yeah. Chloe didn't show up for her kids, that would have been something that would be recorded. Missing person, the nurse, exactly. the employee, the 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 office worker. There has the to be nurse. records. Right, the nurse, Amanda, like the deaf lady, she was going to work too. Exactly. So these are all people that would be marked missing and somebody will wonder like, oh, where are they? Even Phil, although he doesn't have a family, 
like the cats will sort of come out anyways at a certain point like the bills will not be paid somebody will show up at the house unless so he should be able to contact them but anyway he didn't tell us what happened so perhaps we just have to go with the the theory that everybody involved was forgotten about them so Unless it's a government experiment and they oh, were given this journalistic thing. You just won't let it yeah. go. <laughs> I will and not. You, you want a conspiracy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I am going to blame it. I'm a blame You it. are working so hard on making Fetch happen. I like, am. Yeah, I'm not letting go. Okay. I'm not. But yeah, otherwise, I think it was a really good story. I really like how um, each time, like, that for each part, one person dies. And they pretty much all died in different ways. Because at first, the thing was going for them. And then, uh, even though the death was either voluntary in them, like pushing themselves to the monster or mm-hmm. whatnot, like it, it was still, it was pretty, it was pretty good. I like, I feel like it's pretty real as close to what what a group of people would do in that situation you know pretty realistic as in you have people who be like you know what i'm out i just i just want to die leave me alone and then people like feel who like no we're gonna make it out of here even if it's the last thing i do at least one of us is gonna make it out and yeah i really i really i'm sad to feel i had to go but i'm really oh and also the little girl didn't come up yeah i was wrong Mm-hmm. I was wrong on that one. You know, when 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 I was reading it, it was saying that there was something like you know behind the shaft of the elevator towards the panel. I was like, ooh, and then he said there was chalk because also the little girl had like drawings in the elevator. So I was thinking, I'm like, ooh, Chelsea might be mm-hmm. right. I'm like, the little girl is hiding right behind the elevator. Maybe but, no. <laughs> Maybe she's an escaped government experiment you know <laughs> who birthed those things. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for hearing to this episode see you in the next one until then bye Bye.